This is Hungry Gen Podcast, and I just want to thank you for joining us today. Here at HG, our vision is to see thousands saved locally and millions globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Don't chase money, but pursue this instead. I'm going to share with you three things to pursue instead of chasing money. I want to encourage you to take notes. I also want to encourage you to open your heart to God's Word. We are talking about finances today. We're going to talk about resources as I talked last Sunday and I'm going to continue on that and might do a few more weeks about this. Don't chase money. Pursue this instead. The Bible gives us a promise of prosperity. Somebody say promise. In the scriptures, Psalm 25 verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad. Anybody glad in this room? For who favors my righteous cause, God favors my righteous cause. Let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. Come on somebody. If God has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant, how much more he has pleasure in the prosperity of his children. 3 John chapter 1 verse 2 it says this, Beloved I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in good health as your soul prospers. Do you believe that God promises and God wants you to prosper? Now I realize half of you didn't raise your hand, half of you didn't say anything. One of the reasons people are afraid of the word prosperity and it triggers them because there has been an abuse of extreme prosperity teaching that so many people are afraid of that topic but I want to tell you something at Hungry Gen we preach the Bible we don't preach our fears and we don't preach our experiences we preach the Bible and the Bible talks about God finds pleasure in the prosperity of his servants we should not allow our fear of that to drive our doctrine nor should we allow somebody's bad experience with it to drive our doctrine. Have you ever had somebody um, do something really bad, maybe in marriage, maybe your wife or your husband is like driving you crazy and the way you responded or the way you reacted was as crazy as what they did? And sometimes that's what happens with the prosperity teaching. There has been an extreme abuse of it that focuses on like, if you have money, that means that you are holy and righteous. If you sow $1,000, all of your medical bills will be paid for. You know, if you, I've been to churches where they had seven offerings in one service. Two, three bodyguards guarding pastors Bentley or Bentleys in the driveway. Now I'm not against driving a nice car. I'm not against having security. We have security, but for the children. I can take care of myself. I, I, I'm all for that. But the moment there is an overemphasis on finances, there's an overemphasis on riches and wealth, it's an extreme abuse. And if we begin to react to that extreme abuse by creating another extreme, it's as bad sometimes if not worse as the extreme we are trying to respond or react to. Our goal is not to have a reactionary doctrine. Our goal is to have a doctrine that is based on the promises and the character of God. Come on, those in the first sanctuary and the second sanctuary, give God a clap offering if you know God is good and He wants to bless you. But I want you to notice God not only gives us the promise of prosperity, God also gives us the power to prosperity. Somebody shout power. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18, And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you what? I did not hear you. What? 
For it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God's promise of prosperity indicates God reveals his character. God reveals his goodness. God reveals his heart. He's a good God and says, I want to bless you and I want to take care of you. I am your father. I am a generous and abundant God. And how many of you are happy that you have a good God? Come on, in the second sanctuary, how many of you are happy that you have a good God? Come on. So when I say second sanctuary, you guys pretend that you're there as well. Just kind of, let's, let's collaborate with them. Amen. But I want you to notice something about God. Not only our God gives us a promise, God gives us the power. The power meaning where God supernaturally intervenes in our financial difficulties and overrules the laws of nature. Power is water coming out of the rock. Instead of a faucet, water comes out of the rock. Power is God feeding millions of people for 40 years out of bread from heaven. That's supernatural. Power is ravens feeding a prophet of God. We usually go and feed the birds. In this case, birds fed the prophet. That's supernatural. Power is when Jesus feeds a multitude with five tacos and two fish. Power is when Jesus pays taxes out of the money that is found in the mouth of a fish. This is a tax season. Lord, we claim that. <laughs> but in order to pay taxes, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to make money, right? Because <laughs> most of us look forward to taxes so we can get money. A different sermon for a different day. Power is when Jesus, he fills the nets of Peter twice with fish. Power. Now, the Lord gives us power. He doesn't only have promise, He gives us power. What does this mean? That means there are situations you can find yourself in that only God's supernatural intervention can get you out. We still believe in the God who supernaturally provides. God who supernaturally answers our need and who gives us a miracle in our finances. Uh, one poor lady was praying that God will provide her with food. And an atheist overheard the prayer by her window, decided to go buy her food. Brought food, put it in the front of her house, and she came, opened it. God, thank you for providing for my food. Lord, I knew you would do it. And the atheist jumped out of the bush and said, ha, 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 your God is not real. I bought the food. And she says, God, I thank you that you made the devil pay for it. <laughs> now, God has power. Somebody shout power to make things happen supernaturally. But there's a third way that God provides and that is not through His power or through His promise, but through His principles. Come on, somebody shout principles. Principles is when God establishes certain spiritual laws in the universe by which if we obey them, we experience his prosperity. Psalm 1-3 it says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Pretty much it says that there are particular things you can do that almost like triggers, activates God's spiritual laws which cause prosperity in your life. Now, I want to come to the message right now and tell you Three things we should pursue, three principles, there will be many principles in those three things, but three main principles we should pursue that will bring prosperity, but it's not chasing money. The story that I would like to use today is the story of the prodigal son. In Luke chapter 
15, it tells us a story of a man. 15 and verse 11, it says, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that fall on me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all he had, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. This reads like Hunter Biden's story. Son took daddy's money, prostitutes, maxed out credit cards, national scandal, big poverty, bad story. That's really what this was. A spoiled brat, little kid, comes to his dad. Look at the audacity he has. He says to his father, I wish you would be dead. Really to say, dad divide us the, life, the, the inheritance? You can't get an inheritance from your dad until he dies. But his dad is long, living long. The son doesn't have patience because the son doesn't have a job. The son doesn't have brains. And the son doesn't have any character. So what he's doing, he's waiting on his daddy, rich daddy, to give him all the money. But daddy is living too long because daddy took healthy decisions. Daddy probably honored his daddy. So God has blessed him with a long life. And he says, dad, since you're not dying fast enough, could you please hurry up and die? Or just give me the money. Now, if this would have been my son, I would have used my shotgun and helped him to meet his maker in my backyard. I know children are here, probably should have not said that. So kids, be careful what you say to your parents. This is the statement some parents will use. I brought you into this world and Lord, I can help you to leave this world. If you have this attitude toward your mom and dad, that disrespectful, hateful, it is one of the seeds of your poverty in the future. Because the Bible says, honor your father and your mother and it will be well with you and you will live a long life. Prodigal son, he has no respect for his father. He has no honor for his dad. He's in rebellious and he's in, in, in disrespectful attitude. Now his dad goes along with it. And I think the Bible allows us for the story to be seen so we can see where disrespect and where dishonor to authority, to your employer, to your boss, to your mom, to your dad, to pastor, to leaders, where that will lead. It will eventually lead to the place of poverty. But that's not what I want to talk about today. The first thing that I want to highlight is this. Don't seek money. Seek to do well. Luke chapter 15 verse 19, prodigal son repents and comes back. And I want you to notice what he asked his father. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Interestingly, is when he was a spoiled brat, his request was, give me what is mine, entitlement. Entitlement always leads you to poverty. But when he comes back, he says, dad, make me a servant. He says, I want to earn honest living. See, finances, prosperity is not as a result of entitlement. It's supposed to be a result of earned finances, not just inherited finances. The word prosperity in Latin means to do well. The Greek word for prosperity means to lead along a good path, to guide well. It is used in a sense to prosper, to succeed, to have things turn out well for you to succeed. In Genesis 39 verse 3, it says this, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, Joseph, and God made all things that he did prosper in his hand. So I want you to see two guys, a contrast. One is the prodigal son, and then the other one is Joseph. Prodigal son demands to have money. Give me what is mine. Entitled, spoiled brat, disrespectful, rebellious, needs spanking. 
We see Joseph on the other hand. He the Bible says prospers because God prospers him. And it says this, he prospers everything that he touches his hand to. I want to redefine prosperity in our mind because most of us, the reason why we're afraid of the word prosperity because we actually don't mean, what, don't know what it means. Joseph was not rich when he was a slave. Joseph did not have education at the time when he was a slave. Joseph did not drive a Bentley when he was a slave. Joseph was a slave, sold and rejected, yet he was prosperous as a slave, not because of the amount of money that he made, but because of how well his work was, then the guy he was working for recognized the excellence, paying attention to details, doing better than what was expected of him, showing up earlier, leaving late, studying outside of hours how to improve his craft. His work was amazing. He looked at him and he said, this boy is prosperous. Prosperity is not bling and bling. It's being well. Doing well. Money is not evil. Money is an exchange for services or products given. Love of money is evil. Money in itself is not evil. How economics work, how they started was this, is I have a goat, but you have a field. So I go and I bring you my, my cheese, you give me your potatoes. Then I provide you maybe potatoes and you give me some milk. And so that exchange is what we call money. What prodigal son had is he got a lot of money but never learned to add value, provide service, make a product. This guy was worthless. Now I want to be respectful when I said word worthless. Meaning he never added worth to anybody by his existence. Worthless, not in the sense that he had no value in the eyes of God, in the sense that he had no value in the eyes of others. But he had a lot of money. So when he learned his lesson, he came back and instead of saying, Daddy, give me more money, he said, Dad, give me a job. Daddy, I want to learn to add value. I want to learn to provide a service and make a product that will help somebody. Don't chase money. Chase making a product, providing a service or adding a value. That makes you Christ-like because Christians are Christ-like. Christ was to here on earth to serve, not to be served. We have a young generation today who is after money. When you are after money, you will not learn how to serve, improve your gift, do a final touches on your craft, improve your service. You will just be driven to make an income and to make a profit. You will cut corners. It wouldn't matter who you will hurt. It doesn't matter if you will sacrifice your family along the line. And instead of improving yourself and your contribution, what begins to happen is you're just simply trying to extract money without adding value to somebody else. Is everybody with me? Mr. Beast is the top YouTuber in the world. Over 150 million subscribers. They asked him in an interview, how do I grow my YouTube channel? Now I'm a YouTuber on the side and so that's sometimes I'm curious about what these people will say. When they asked him, how do I get more views on my YouTube videos? They said this, wrong, he said this, wrong question. He said, the question you should be asking is how do I improve my videos so they are worthy to watch? Yeah. 
He says, most of you YouTubers, you use money to, he said, you use videos to make more money. He says, I use money to make better videos. And that's something, when I listened to that, it caught my attention that God doesn't want us to think like, how can I make more views? How can I get more money? How can I get more profit? How can I get nicer things? God wants you to be asking a question, how can I improve my contribution that the reward for it is financial blessings? So instead of focusing on my reward, I should be focusing on my gift, my product, and the service that I offer. For a person who expects a raise, hey, I want to get a raise. But have you raised your quality? Have you raised your service? Has your product got better? Has your talent and your value improved? Because if your value and your talent has not improved, asking for a raise is not right. You're breaking a spiritual law of economics. God wants you, for example, think of Elon Musk, the richest man in the world today. We were just in Austin and saw a gigantic factory that he is building. You know, and he doesn't chase money. What he chases is products. He makes products that people pay for because they're so great in his eyes, he charges a lot. And unlike the rest of the car dealerships where you go and they sell you a car with a Tesla, you have to wait for months to get it. And you pay way more than for a normal car, overpriced. But because he builds a product and he spends his life not making money, he spends his life providing a product and providing a service. Now these are the people in the world, but I want to let you know that our God operates exactly the same way. Because our God, what He does is that He teaches us. We see this in Joseph. Joseph's product and service is so great that he prospers because of that. And God says he prospered because the Lord was with him. He goes to jail. He ends up running jail. He goes to the palace of the Pharaoh and then he ends up running the whole nation. The point is not bling and bling. The point is not your status. The point is not your recognition. The point is what kind of a service and product do you provide? Chase that more than you chase money. Jackie Chan said he's not gonna let his son have any of his money when he dies. And he said, and I quote, if he is capable, he will make his own money. If he is not, then he will be wasting mine. In other words, money is a reward system for contributing and Jackie Chan's view is that if my son isn't contributing, he shouldn't be getting any reward. I know we live in a generation today where we give participation trophies to everybody for just showing up. God's economics doesn't work like that. If you want to be the one to get an award, you got to run the race. If you want to get the belt, you got to fight. If you want to get the compensation, you got to contribute. But if we live with the view that I'm going to consume, I'm going to beg God, I'm going to name, claim God's promise for prosperity, but I'm not going to submit to God's principle of prosperity, which is contribution, gifts, and values, my friend. We will end up poor while we will confess the name, we'll confess the promises, but we will not embrace the principles. Amen. Now some of us are saying, but hey, I'm just going to believe for God's supernatural breakthrough. And that's great. But please understand, God's supernatural breakthroughs in finances are not common. Why? Because God sets up rules and laws that unfortunately heathens obey better than some of us obey. And many of us, what we do is that we claim the promise, but we don't submit to the principle. 
And there is people who reject God's promise, like people who reject prosperity teaching, but they still embrace the principle and they work hard, they contribute, they add value and they prosper. And there are non-Christians who will not accept God's power, but they will add value to their community and to their society and they will prosper. We will look at them and say, ah, they just love money. Absolutely not. Some of them, they just contribute. They add value. They serve in a way that makes people's lives better and in return they get what we call money. But in reality it's a reward system for providing products and services and value. Money isn't bad. Money isn't evil. Money is a system set up by God by which you act by providing something to someone else and in exchange you get what you are provided to. And as a Christian we don't chase the money, we improve our service. We improve our craft, our product, our work. We add value. That's one of Christians' values. Is everybody with me? In the second sanctuary, are you with me? Are you getting something? Number two, don't chase money, but seek God. Don't seek money, but seek God. We see in Luke chapter 15 verse 13 that after many, not after many days this younger son gathered all that he had and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. The first thing that prodigal son did when he got a lot of money, who, and please understand, have you seen the prodigal son didn't provide service. He didn't make a product. He didn't build a car. He didn't mow anybody's lawn. He was simply daddy's spoiled brat's son. Just took the money and went and wasted it. And we mentioned that if you really want to prosper, don't hope for entitled money. Earn money. Provide something. When he went from entitlement, I want you to notice the second thing that happened to him is he left his father. He right away left his father and he left his brother. When you chase money, you will always lose God. When you chase money, you will lose people. Because only God helps us to not only love Him, but to love other people. The danger, the reason why love of money is evil, the reason why chasing money is wrong, because money feeds you with lies. When you chase money, it feeds you with these lies. And this is what the money will tell you. Is that your worth comes from your wealth. Your money will tell you that the goal is to make more money and it doesn't matter who you cut, who you forsake, who you cheat, who you lie because money is the primary goal. It's like chasing after the wind. It's never enough. Money cannot buy you manners. Money cannot buy you morals. Money cannot buy you respect. Money cannot give you character. Money cannot give you common sense. Money cannot give you trust. Money cannot give you patience. Money cannot give you inheritance. Money cannot give you love. It will buy you a bed but not sleep. It will buy you books but not brains. It will buy you food but not an appetite. It will buy you finery but not beauty. It will buy you a house but not a home. It will buy you medicine but not health. It will buy you luxuries but not class. It will buy you amusements but not happiness. It will buy you religion but not salvation. It will get you a passport to everywhere except heaven. Money is deceitful if you chase it. It is a tool. It is a means of exchange. But the moment money becomes something that you chase, two things will happen. You quickly abandon God. 
And secondly, you abandon people. Money will not make you happy, but money will magnify your true happiness. Happiness comes from relationships. Happiness comes because you have a husband and you have children. Happiness comes because you have people who are with you when you're poor or when you're rich. Happiness comes from abundance of relationships. But one of the first things that money will do is money will cause you to forsake your family because you work yourself to death. Money will cause you to use your family instead of be with them. Why? Because it's all about money. When money is what you chase, you use people. When God is what you chase, you use money. Because the moment you chase God, God gives you two commandments to live by. Love the Lord your God and secondly, love other people. But if you follow money, money will tell you love this, love fame, love pleasure, love sleep, love sex, love food, love alcohol. Money will give you different commandments to live by and it will deceive you. And the only people who stay with you are the people you pay to be with you. Or those who stay with you because you got money. But the moment you lose those money, they disappear. They're not your family. They're not your friends. They don't care about you. Because money gives you fake friends. Money gives you the illusion of success, but you're miserable on the inside. Money will never fix your eternal soul. It will never fix the fact that you have a spirit inside of you. And money will not give you salvation. It will not give you sleep. So when you chase it, it will bankrupt you spiritually. It will bankrupt you relationally. But I have some someone else that you can chase today. His name is Jehovah Jireh. His name is the great I am. His name is the beginning and the end. His name is our shepherd. When you chase God, you will have happiness because your soul is satisfied. When you chase God, you will have healthy relationships because you will realize God's number one priority is not gold, it's people. You realize He sent His Son to die for people. You realize as you love God, He loves people. God puts a high price on human beings. Whether they're poor, black, white, young, old, short or tall, people matter to God. So you begin to invest in your family. Money is important, but family is the most important. And when you're poor, you got your family. When, you, when you're rich, you got your family. When you're known, you got your family. And there's a happiness that exists because you have relationships. And guess what begins to happen when God gives you more money? Money magnifies what you have on the inside. If you're lonely, money makes you more lonely. If you are happy, money makes you more happy. Because if you are already happy, if you're already satisfied, if you're already joyful because you have a good relationship with God and you have good relationship with your family. Money didn't make you happy. It just made you happier. Money didn't fix the problem, but it did bring a little bit more fulfillment because it provided you with more opportunities. Come on somebody. So I want to challenge you today to not seek money. Seek God instead. And money will be a blessing to your life and you will use it as a tool to bless other people. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Number three. Instead of chasing money, pursue integrity. What prodigal son did after he left his dad is he went into immoral behavior that caused him poor decisions. These poor decisions caused him poverty. Now poverty comes, I would say, from four things, four sources that poverty comes from. Number one is an attack of the devil. 
Number two, it's part of the affliction of life. Number three, it's an act of love. And number four, it's aftermath of sin. Let me explain just briefly what I mean. Number one, it's an attack. Sometimes Satan can directly attack and assault your finances. The Bible says he's the devourer in Malachi. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy in John chapter 10. We see from the beginning that Satan is the one that causes people to steal, lie, and he wants steal your finances. Some people have a direct assault by demons on their finances and that's why they're poor and they have to fight spiritual powers to overcome their poverty. The second reason or second reason why poverty comes is because of affliction. We live in a broken world where natural disasters happen, where we have corrupt political leaders who make dumb decisions that affect all of us. Sometimes we will be under a boss who chooses not to pay and just build a company and then shut down the company, disappear to some other island. It's called affliction because we live in a broken world. The third one is an act of love. It's when you choose to be poor for the sake of the gospel. Jesus did that. He became poor, the Bible says, that many will be enriched. It's when the person who has the money, they give all of that money away and they become poor so that other people can be enriched. And the fourth way or reason that people become poor is when they make poor decisions. And that's what I'm talking about today, prodigal son. When he left his father, that was already a bad decision. When he didn't honor his dad, bad decision. And then the scripture says he went and what did he do with that money? He didn't invest that money. He didn't start a company. He did not invest it into a stock market. It wasn't that the investment went bad. He actually went and starts clubbing, start doing drugs. He starts doing immoral things and then he loses all of that money. And you know how when it rains, it pours? Right when he loses the money, economy goes sour. Economy goes severe famine. So economy is bad. I find that interesting. He is living in a bad economy. At the same time, his father is living in a good economy. Sometimes if you find yourself away from your father, you will find yourself living under the economy of this world instead of living under the economy of God. Because see, God is not affected by the stock market. God is above the stock market. God is above the dollar. God is above the White House. God is above China. God is above America. God is the king of the universe. And so the prodigal son leaves, leaves the father. He begins to make poor decisions, sinful decisions, which lead him to poverty. And then he ends up in their affliction. Poverty is happening everywhere and then he gets a job and in this job they don't even pay enough for food. The Bible says he was lining up to eat food with pigs and they said, hey, we only have enough for pigs, not enough for you. He didn't even have enough money to eat. Poor, bad job, bad economy, bad decisions, bad relationship with his father, bad attitude and bad habits he developed where he didn't contribute but he simply consumed. I want to highlight few things that the Bible teaches us that if we do them, it could potentially lead us to poverty. One of them is overeating and drinking. I don't mean water drinking, alcohol drinking. Proverbs chapter 23 verse 21, it says, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and drowsiness will clothe the man with rags. If you love money, excuse me, if you love food, money won't be chasing you. Some people say, what is wrong with eating a loving food? Food is not your friend. Food is your fuel. If you make food into your friend, the Bible actually warns us it could be a cause of your poverty. Don't make food your friend. You should have real friends, not refrigerators. 
That's good preaching right there. Come on, somebody in the second sanctuary. Ouch, I didn't see that coming. Make sure your wife is your friend, not a taco. I'm like, I'm a foodie. That's fine. Nothing wrong with being a foodie. Make sure your love, the Bible says, thou shall love the Lord your God. It doesn't say thou shall love your tacos. Eat food, eat good food, eat healthy. But loving food and developing an affair with food is dangerous for your finances. The second thing I want you to notice is sleeping too much. Man, all the things we like. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 13, do not love sleep lest you come to poverty. Some of you came and like, man, I love food, <laughs> I love sleep. And pastor, you're telling us, I'm not telling you, Solomon is telling you. If you love sleep, now, we all need sleep, but please understand, loving sleep and oversleeping and being a sluggard and lazy is different than getting a good night's sleep. What we love as Christians is the Lord our God and we love our neighbor. What we should not fall in love with is sleep. If you look at and you see that you're poor, maybe struggling, one of the poor decisions that you probably have, maybe you have, is you love things you should not love. Food and sleep. Another one is Proverbs 28, 19. If you follow fantasies, he who tills his land with, will have plenty of bread. But he who follows, another word for this word is fantasies, will have poverty enough. And these are the people who live in the dreamland. They always have fantasies. They always have dreams and nothing wrong with dreams. But if you follow fantasies, if you follow these daydream ideas that you extract somewhere online, instead of living in real world, it will lead you to poverty. The next thing that leads to poverty is Proverbs chapter 6 verse 26. For by a means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. This is sexual immorality. If you live in sexual purity like Joseph for example, it does lead to prosperity. The moment you begin to live in, the moment you begin to live in a way that doesn't honor God in the area of sexual purity, then what it does is it leads to poverty. You, there's st st statistics and studies that have been done. I mean, think logically with, you, with, with me. If you're married to one person, you stay faithful to that person. Just automatically, there's a compounding effect of blessing that happens on your finances. You don't have to spend money on divorce lawyers. You don't have to try to separate your houses. You live there, he lives there, or the opposite. No child support payments. You don't have to probably see a therapist because you're struggling and hurting. Because if you have healthy marriage, your heart is satisfied. You have healthy relationship with God. There's a sense of peace about that. So your work and your performance doesn't suffer because you have crisis in your home. And your work is better. Guess what happens? They pay you more. You seem to get promoted. So there's this natural tendency of having peace in your heart, having love in your life that leads to prosperity in your workplace. The moment you break this cycle and you say, man, I'm just going to go chase love. See, the Bible doesn't want you to chase love. He wants you to chase God and love people. Some people are in love with love. Not with people. They love the idea of being in love instead of love God. And that's dangerous because the Bible says that it could lead to sexual immorality. We see here which leads to poverty. Proverbs 21, 17. Seeking pleasure leads to poverty. He who loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. 
In order to see money come into your life, you have to stop chasing it. In order to see pleasure be a part of your life, you have to stop wanting it. The Bible says in the presence of God, there's pleasure. But the moment we seek the pleasures of sin or we seek the pleasures of life, instead of seeking being productive, instead of seeing being useful, effective, and our whole goal is to be happy. It is very dangerous. God gives us a new way and He says, you want happiness to chase you? Chase me. Chase healthy relationships. Be in the community. Chase meaning. Add value. Live your life in a productive, disciplined way and these things shall be added to you. Proverbs 13.4, the soul of a lazy man desires and has nothing, but the soul of a diligent man will be made rich. Means if we are lazy, we will not be prosperous. Proverbs 13.18 says, poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. That means how do you handle a correction? Do people have to walk on eggshells before they give a feedback on your work? Do you feel like you need to see a sixth therapist just because you got a correction? Or can you take a feedback and a correction without crying in tears and feeling like, oh my goodness, they destroyed my identity. They didn't destroy your identity. They critiqued your Excel inputting data. So we have to allow people to give us correction. We have to allow people to give us even a rebuke and a feedback. Why? Because that's the key to getting better, which means our product will be better, our contribution will be better, and our response reward will be better. But a person who says, I, I know what I'm doing. Don't tell me what to do. You know, don't correct me. You know, I, I feel like you hate me. I feel like you're not accepting me. No, I don't hate you. It's your work that I have a problem with. I don't have a problem with you. It's just that you're not performing. There's, those numbers don't look good. It's the stuff that you cut that plywood, it's wrong. And you cut six of them like that. So I have a problem with your cutting, not with your heart. So when you begin to disconnect your character or your identity from your work and let people critique your work without feeling like they destroyed your mom, you will get better at your work. And as you get better at your work, your reward gets better. But a poor person... It's so easily offended. A poor person is so sensitive. It's, you, 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 got, you got to literally like pray for three hours before you address him on a basic little correction. Because you never know. He might want to quit after that. That's, that's the poor mentality. Be eager to learn. Hungry for improvement. Ask for feedback. When you do a work, you ask your employer. And you ask, you say, listen, and you don't have to sugarcoat it. You tell me it as it is. I can take it. Why? Because I'm not here for my self-esteem. I'm here for service. I want to grow. I'm not here to fix a father issue. I'm not here to fix loneliness. I'm here to make your company better. I'm here to make your business better. So I want to know, am I doing a great job? Where should I improve? Where should I invest? Go ahead. Cut my work. You're not cutting me. You're just improving my work. Mm. Proverbs 28, 22. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Chasing get-rich-quick schemes will get, you rich, will get you poor quick. Let me say that again. For those of you in the second century. Chasing get-rich-quick schemes will get you poor quick. There is no such a thing as getting rich quick. 
Plus, most of the time, I don't believe God wants that for many of us. The reason why is because you have to develop principles, structures, and systems. And when you pursue education, you get your job, you run your business. Guess what happens throughout those 15 years? You develop patterns, habits, you develop mindsets, you develop characteristics within you, the way you think. That when the money comes, you can handle it. And if it leaves, you can bring it again because those characteristics that got those opportunities and monies are still within you. When somebody works very hard and makes money and then they give you all that money, you don't know how to work like that. You don't think like that. Guess what begins to happen is we lose that money. That's why they say approximately 70% of people who win lotteries lose that after a few years. And that's why a lot of businessmen who go bankrupt become businessmen again fourth, sixth time because they develop patterns of thinking, habits. The way they think about money is different. And that's why you always want to work on yourself as a Christian. You want to work on your mindset and don't buy into get-rich-quick schemes. Proverbs chapter 28, 13, it says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. And this brings me to the end of this story. You know, prodigal son did bad things. Pretty, pretty shady things. But what I love about prodigal son is that when he realized I made poor decisions, I live now in a bad economy, and I wasted my daddy's money. Honestly, I'm kind of worthless. I haven't done anything. I've never made anything, never made a product. I don't even know how to serve. What prodigal son did was amazing, is that he repented. The Bible says, he who covers his sin will not prosper. That means you can make all the wrong decisions. You can always turn around. It's like if you were trying to go to Idaho and you end up in Seattle because you took the wrong turn and you intentionally kept driving there. How many of you know, even in Seattle, you can turn around and start going back to Idaho? <laughs> Come on, somebody. It doesn't matter how bad you got in your finances. It doesn't matter how many decisions, dumb decisions, maybe immoral decisions you've committed, how bad the economy is. You are never in the place where there is no hope for you. Bible says is that he repented and I want you to notice what he did first. He didn't say, let me go get a job, a better one. He says, no, let me go and get a better relationship with my dad. If you are in the low place right now and you're financially struggling, maybe you're blaming the economy, COVID and all of that. Maybe you're blaming yourself. But I want to ask you a question. Where's your relationship with your father? Your heavenly father. Let's start with that first. Let's come back to him. Let's stop chasing money. Let's stop chasing career success and let's say, Lord, I want to chase you. I want to be hungry for you. I want to get my relationship with God right. I want to start reading the scriptures. I want to start being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want God to fix the hole in my soul. And that's exactly what he did. And then I want you to notice what else that he did. Is that he came to his father. First of all, he resigned from his job. And there are some of us here today, if you are doing something that doesn't pay you at all, if you're serving under a boss that doesn't pay people at all, Quit your job today. That's it. Don't be working for somebody that doesn't pay. That's it. Just, just quit the job. And he quit the job that wasn't paying. And then I want you to notice is he left from being under the economy that had famine and came under the economy that had bread. When you come to God, he switches the economy you live under. Where no longer your boss is the provider, he is the resource, but God is your provider. And it doesn't matter what's going through in our coming economy right now. When you live under the shadow of the Most High God, you live under a different economy. Come on, somebody. 
You live on a different economy. Somebody in the second sanctuary, give the Lord a round of applause right now. I want you to see the mindset the prodigal son had. And this is what I want to leave you with. Is he came back to his father and he did not ask him for more money. How typical is that of kids who grew up in rich parents' houses? When they waste all the money, you know, go party and all of this stuff. And then they usually come back, they say, Dad, could you borrow me some money? I love this. And that's true repentance of prodigal son. He did not ask for money. He asked for a job. And he said, Dad, could you? He didn't even ask for a high-paying job. He says, Dad, I can go with the people who are mowing the lawn. I can go with the people who are picking up the garbage. I can go with the ones that, you know, uh, p pastor uh, sheep or, or oxen. He says, any of your low-paying jobs, entry-level work, he says, Dad, can I apply for that job? He didn't say, Dad, I'm your son. Where's the emergency fund? Can I be your charity project? No, he says, could you give me a job? Switch your mindset. Don't think about, God, just give me a miracle. Ask the Lord for opportunities, not miracles. Can God give you a miracle? May that miracle come as a surprise in your life. But may that not be what you're seeking. Let, seek opportunities. Say, Lord, give me an opportunity. Help me to be a better contributor and a servant. Now, of course, those of you who are elderly or maybe on disability, that's, I'm not referring to you. I'm referring to young people, young adults who can work. You know, one of the things that I pursue in my heart is just a genuine prayer. My prayer is not that God makes me famous. My prayer is not God make me successful. And my prayer is not even God give us a big church. My prayer is God bless my calling to touch more people. God improve, help me to improve my ability to serve your people by preaching the product, your word. Lord, my prayer is God, my desire is not increase my finances, but God, increase my contribution to the body of Christ. And Lord, help me to do it in such a way that is righteous. That, if, that my accusers have to come up with lies to accuse me. And that my accusers will have to come up with stuff that will be hilarious to anybody who knows me because it's just simple and not true. That if somebody rips my life into pieces and sees, the only thing that they will see is radical commitment to God. Radical commitment to the church. Love for my wife, love for my friends. And integrity before God. Yes, it might not get me anywhere high, but I don't want to go high. I want to be impactful. I want God to bless the work of my hands. I want God to bless the words of my mouth. I want God to bless what I do. That's the goal. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Meaning, I don't want to just seek God. I also want to seek integrity. Because I know people who sought God, but were shady. Who sought God, but they cut corners. Sought God, but they didn't pay their taxes. Who sought God, but they didn't pay their employees. Sought God, but when the product they offered was flawed. The service they provided was not excellent. It was nasty. Food that I ate from that restaurant, I got poisoned. The things that they did broke. So I don't want to just seek God. I want to also seek integrity. Come on somebody. I'll add value. Provide service. I just want to challenge you today in Jesus' name. Don't chase money. Chase providing service. Chase God. And chase righteousness. And that will set you up for God's principle of prosperity to be honored in your life. In the conclusion, God promises prosperity. It's not a trigger word. God gives us power 
sometimes supernaturally overrides the rules and the laws to give us prosperity. But God also provides us with principles that if we adhere to them, we will live a life in honor and we will live a life in prosperity. Now, does this mean everyone is going to get rich? No. This has nothing... I hope you got this. This has very little to do with financial riches. As much as it has to do with contribution we offer for which we receive a reward. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you are blessed by this message, be sure to subscribe and send it to someone. And don't forget, you can always share it on your social stories. Stay connected with us on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. For more information on internship, prayer line, conferences, and other resources, go to HungryGen.com. Remember, better is not good enough. The best is yet to come.